0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: And welcome into another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Schusterman, and I am joined, as always, by the greats Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. Jim, Jonathan, thank you guys for joining me. Jim, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm uh in I've, I've lost track of what day it is, um in the midst of my Florida spring training swing, but uh all is well, I had a very good conversation with Will Banfield of the Marlins today. And uh I'm hanging in there. I think I think I've been here for 4 days and I've got 4 more if I've calculated this correctly.
2: And uh, Jonathan, where, where are, you? are you? Are you still in spring training somewhere? No, I'm, I'm home, uh, but I will uh, head to Florida on Sunday to uh, take the baton from the bewildered, befuddled Jim Callis, uh, who is in Florida for the first time since the Eisenhower administration. Wow, that's that, well I for think spring that training. Not ago.
0: Florida, but the but the the grapefruit league. That was yeah. Be, sorry, spring training. I, I do not think i have been down here. It, it's been at least twenty five years for spring training.
1: Wow, wow. Okay. Well, uh, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope I hope you're you're having some some grapefruit at the grapefruit league. Uh, we are going to be talking about some some more spring training related uh, items, but we're also going to be looking ahead uh, to who is going to be at the top of next year's top position lists because as we take a look at uh, some of the top prospects on LB Pipeline's top 100, the top 10 per position, top teams, a lot of the guys at the top have an ETA of 2019, so a lot of these guys were expecting to graduate, so we want to look ahead and see which of these guys at each position could be the best at their spot on the diamond uh, come 2020. But I I do want to start with some spring training stuff. Uh, Of course, we've still seen some prospects in major league camp before they've been reassigned to the minors performing well. And, uh, Jim, you mentioned you were in Marlins camp this morning. I do want to start with a Marlins prospect who has thrown a lot uh, so far in spring. I'm not sure if you got a chance to talk to him, but I want to start with Sandy Alcantara, who, of course, came over in the Marcelo Zuna trade uh, from St. Louis gets to stay in the same spring training complex in Jupiter, which is very convenient for him. Um, But Sandy's thrown a lot so far this spring for the Marlins. He got a little bit of taste of big league time last year. Uh, What is the outlook on him? Do you think he's going to break camp uh, in the big league rotation?
0: I do. I I think part of that is due to the fact that, I mean, they need him. I mean, I, I think I was talking to Dick Scott, their farm director today, and he was talking about how, in general, you know, there are cases where, you know, if they had a, you know, a big league club that was closer to contention and had more established guys. They'd maybe give more development time to some of these guys, but you know, I think he's going to make the rotation. He's had a, it's an interesting spring. I mean, he's only given up two runs in 12 innings and he struck out 14 guys. He's walked 10, which has kind of been his biggest issue as a prospect. I mean, there are very few pitchers who have three legitimate plus pitches. And, When he's on top of his game, he's got a well above average fastball and a plus slider and a plus changeup. And when he was in the fall league a couple years ago, all three of those pitches ranked among the best uh, in the league. But he doesn't always repeat his delivery or or throw strikes, and and I think that consistency will be key. But, but yeah, they need him in the rotation. It's not like they have a lot of other options. He's already got some service time, so you're not going to be playing service time games with him um yes, yeah, so, yeah, I would be very, very surprised if he did not make the opening day rotation.
1: Jonathan, how do you feel that Sandy has kind of progressed since his time as kind of a lower-level pitching prospect? I, I actually got a chance to, to do a video with Sandy when I was down there in Florida last week, and he's a big dude. He's 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 pretty, pretty easy. He's one of the taller pitching prospects you're going to see, and he is still pretty skinny. Uh, do you, do you, His progression has been kind of not exactly linear as most prospects have gone, but are you optimistic about his future?
2: Well, I mean, I think any time you have that kind of natural arm strength, arm speed, velocity, there's a chance. Um, I think what had always been kind of baffling with him, um, you know, and, and Jim touched on the on the command issues, is with this sort of premium stuff that he had, um, his ability to miss bats kind of came and, and went and kind of gone backwards as he reached the upper levels of the system. Now, did get a lot of ground ball outs it was a weird sort of fastball change up combination um you know that were his best pitches. but you know usually when you have a guy who you hear about uh we used to hear about him and um uh junior Guzman at the same time uh junior Guzman junior Fernandez at the same time How was uh, the sh- what's that junior Fernandez
0: I yeah. was Fernandez. you going Jorge Guzman or junior Fernandez? no, I meant merge them into
2: one i was, i I combined them into one into one super prospects. you get there two hundred miles an hour um but both of them were these guys coming up in the cardinal system who had you know top of the scale velocity um, uh you know but had some similar struggles in terms of not missing bats. maybe the fastball could be a little flat at times uh you know uh, so it's been interesting. I think that he is ready to contribute now and I think he kind of need to see what he can do for an extended period of time in, in the big leagues. Um, if he can command the ball just a little bit better, I think he's going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, and I think the Marlins will definitely be giving him every opportunity to stick in that rotation this year. Uh, So I want to move uh, back out out west to Arizona. Uh, This is a guy who has not had that many uh, at-bats with the big league team, Uh, Nico Horner, who was the Cubs' first-round pick just last year. He got a little bit of taste of the fall league um, just a few months ago, which is is pretty fast uh, for a a first-rounder of the same year. Uh, but he has hit pretty well in his limited at bats in big league camp. Is this yet another college hitter that the Cubs have managed to scoop up in the first round that is maybe even better than we ever could have thought, uh, Jonathan? What do you what do you think about Horner?
2: Yes. Next question. Now, um, <laughs> yeah, he was really impressive in the fall league. Not even just the way he played, but how he carried himself. Uh, I go down to the fall league early every year and interview a guy from every team and they talk to him and. Uh, You know, it's not a big surprise that a guy out of Stanford can can handle himself in an interview. Um, But, you know, he had a kind of a weird path to the fall league because, yes, the last couple of years, maybe not as many draft guys, but there was was a stretch of time where uh, it was becoming somewhat common, especially for kind of advanced college guys, to go from the draft straight to the fall league. And we got some really exciting players that way. But uh, the fact that he went to the fall league after getting hurt and missing a chunk of his debut summer, um, you know, speaks volumes to what the Cubs thought he could handle. and he, and he, he more than held his own uh, while he was in the, in the folly considering he'd had uh, just a short chunk of a professional baseball experience. And maybe they don't send him if he hadn't gotten hurt because between the college season and, and uh, that first pro summer, it would have been enough at bats for him. But uh, so he was able to make up for some lost time uh and work around the infield a little bit and uh yeah i mean it's only what eight eight total at bats but again this is the kind of guy that wherever you put him he is not going to be completely overmatched he's going to hold him carry himself the right way uh, he's going to compete he's going to help his team win even if he's not say swinging the bat well so uh, i think he might be a little bit better than uh people thought and uh, you know I do California for the draft, and there is a long history of hitters from Stanford who just don't end up being as good as you think or hope they're going to be. So there may have been a little bias there, just in terms of well, let's see what he does once he, uh, you know, once he once he gets to uh, you know the, the higher the higher levels of the pro ball. Yeah, and Jim, I mean, how
1: fast... We talk about advanced college bats sometimes and pushing him to the Fall League shows the Cubs believe in him, but, like, how fast track are we talking? I mean, he barely played in pro ball last year, only made it to low A. Fall League is, certainly is, is more advanced than that, but I, we're not going to see him in the big leagues this year, but maybe next year? I, I guess it depends on what the Cubs need.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's got that chance to, put, to get there next year because the bat is that advanced. I mean, the the... the Issue that works against him a little bit is, I mean, the Cubs have a pretty good infield, so it's not like they have gaping holes as to you know who's going to fit where. Now, I, I do think he's more second baseman than shortstop in the long run, and you know maybe if Addison Russell you know goes away and who knows how that's going to work out with the Cubs, and Javi Baez is a shortstop next year, and I think Ben Zobra's contract is up, you know maybe you know Nico Horner you know you know thrusts himself into that you know wins that second base job. By you know mid-season of next year, although I mean David Bode has you know done very well in the big leagues, and and it might be David Bode's job. So um, you know I do think he'll move very fast, but but because that's one of the better teams, they don't they have a number of infield options already. Uh, You know he may have to wait a little bit longer than he would if he was in a different organization.
1: Right, that's true. Although I will say that this is a Cubs uh, system that is relatively thin. There aren't that many middle infield prospects that I think he's going to have to jump. Uh, as he climbs the ladder there, um, one one other hitter uh, who has impressed so far in spring training. Also not a huge sample size, but I know this is a guy that, that if I recall, I believe this is one of your favorites, Jim, uh, Rockies third base prospect Colton Welker. And we were just talking about Nico Horner. You know where they, where is he going to maybe have a spot to play? Maybe this year, or next year. Uh, this very off season, the Rockies, of course, signed Nolan Arenado to a very, very long, very, very pricey extension. Uh, so it's, we, they know who their third baseman is going to be. Colton Welker only got up to high A last year, but he's hitting pretty well in the spring. What is the future for him? Is he just trade bait now? Or, uh, do you think he could find his way onto Rockies team in the near future?
0: Well, they played him some at first base last year. Um, and I do think that that's a potential option, uh. You know the, the Rockies don't have uh, you know the, the, the kind of the right side of infield is still kind of fluid right now. I mean you have a number of guys. You know Brendan Rodgers is trying to get in over there. Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon. Um, so it's not like they have just just wide open vacancies. Daniel Murphy's going to play there. You know he's obviously older, um, but I, I think he'll play more at, at first. I mean we we saw Ryan McMahon kind of go through the same exact uh, process in the minors where he was a third baseman his first couple of years and the Rockies got to the point where, like, hey, this Nolan Arenado is pretty good. So, McMahon started playing first. And, you know, I, I don't think Welker's quick enough to play the middle infield like McMahon has. He, you know, he – yeah, you know, I don't know whether he could play left field. I, I'm actually going to say my guess would be no in that ballpark because the outfield is so spacious. So, I, I think first base is probably his, his other real option. And, and my guess is if they do what they do with Ryan McMahon and some other guys, that. Welker will probably split this year and probably play half his time at third
2: and half his time at first. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I, I was in Rockies camp and talked to a little bit with uh, with Zach Wilson, the farm director, uh, and even Jeff Bridges, the, the general manager, some, and I don't get the sense that they see Welker as an outfielder. He, he You know, McMahon was really athletic. You know, this a guy who was a high school quarterback, um So they felt that there was more uh of a comfort level with moving him around and you know seeing what second base l- looked like um it's certainly you know i don 't think a lot of people expected a guy who really profiled more as a, a, a corner infielder would be able to handle it but he but he 's been able to i think welker 's going to have to play first base uh and 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 that 's really going to be it now i don 't know if that you know is ever changed, but he 's not one of these sort of like fast-twitch, athletic-type third baseman where you say, oh, maybe that could work. Um, Tyler Nevin, Phil's kid, who's also in the system, is a guy that I think we might see in, in the outfield uh, at some point, and he'd already started playing first base. Welker's going to focus on first a lot this year. Nevin played a lot of first last year. Uh, Josh Fuentes, who happens to be Nolan Arenado's cousin, uh, also naturally a third baseman, has been playing first base almost from the get-go. Uh, now, with a guy like Fuentes and even with a guy like Nevin, I think there is more of a, well, he may be a utility type anyway. Um, although with the way Nevin played in the folly last year, I think people are excited to see him stay healthy and see what happens. Um, so they may want to try to find a way to get his bat into the, into the line. But the Rockies as a whole for a long time have really preached positional flexibility they did it with Trevor Story. They've been doing it with Brendan Rodgers. Uh, so even with the guys that they see as regulars, it's to enhance the, the possibility of getting the bat into the lineup. Um, but if a guy can't play the outfield, he can't play the outfield.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a very crowded uh, but talented Rockies roster. Certainly some prospects we've seen kind of end up stuck in the middle. The Raimel Tapias of the world. David Dahl finally had his breakout last year. Uh, but you can only play nine guys, which is a little – little disappointing sometimes when you look at rosters like this. All right, well, thank you guys for your, your spring training insight, as always. We are going to move on uh, to some more bigger-picture prospect stuff. Uh, and this is an idea that kind of came came about uh, uh, between the three of us. And, and, you know, we like to look ahead. Uh, a few episodes ago, we looked ahead all the way to 2021, who could be the top guys uh, that year that, that, that we want to look out for in the lower levels now. Um, but we don't want to look that far ahead. But we noticed we looked at some of these top prospects. A lot of these guys are expected to graduate this year of course we can expect to see Vlad Jr. uh, graduate this year Eloy uh, maybe Victor Robles a lot of these guys that will not be at the top of these prospect lists come 2020 so we're going to go position by position and we're going to try and figure out who's going to be at the top of these positions at this time next season we're going to start behind the plate with the catchers now Joey Bart Giants catcher, It does currently occupy the number one spot, and I don't know how fast-tracked he could be, but we can expect number two Francisco Mejia to to kind of graduate this year with the Padres. Is Bart the lock to be the number one spot next year, or could a guy like Kyber Ruiz, maybe, you know, Ronaldo Hernandez is another possibility? Uh, or, Jim, do you think that Joey Bart is kind of, kind of the lock here?
0: I, I think he's I, – I wouldn't say lock just because he, you know, hasn't played in full season ball yet, and, you know, for some reason he struggles a little bit. You know, maybe you know Cabrera Ruiz could could jump ahead of him, but I I do think of all these positions, he's the one guy who's likely to still be number one. I, I think he's the only guy who's number one right now who who we don't project to graduate in 2019. And and you know, I think the power and the arm strength and the improving hitting and receiving, um, I, I think it will be him. Although I I, I do think Cabrera Ruiz might be right on his
1: heels. Yeah, and Joey Barty, he he had, a I think, a home run last week in, in the big league spring training, but he's barely getting started there, but it might be might be his to lose. Uh, Jonathan, let's move to, to first base. Now, this is one where we very much expect Mr. Pete Alonzo to be making noise in the big leagues very soon. Okay, he occupies so. uh, the number one spot right now. Um, but Evan White uh, comes in at number two, Nate Lowe, uh, who we could see in the big leagues with the Rays, Brent Rooker, and Nick Prado right behind him. Who are some of those first basemen you think could – uh, take Alonzo's spot at this time next season.
2: I uh, I think that Evan White is as good a, a choice as... Yeah, I'm going to pause for a second. My dog stopped barking. <laughs> You're good. Hold on.
1: The dog is big on Tristan Cassis.
2: Yes, I usually just play off of it. I mean, both Jim and I have had dog-related issues in parking, <laughs> so. Um You're good. Uh, okay. Picking it up in 3, 2... I I think Evan White is is a is a solid choice, um sort of a safer choice. You know, we often talk about floor versus ceiling in terms of highest floor to be number 1. I think it's it's going to be him. He had a good year last year. I mean, he hit 300. Um the you know, the question with him has been will the power profile at first base the way people wanted to? I, I don't I don't know that it matters. This guy is the best defensive first baseman in the minor leagues. Um, he's going to be a Gold Glove winner. He got votes for best defensive prospect overall, uh, which you don't usually hear from uh, first phase He runs well. I think there's going to be more power, so I, I think you know, he's going to go to Double A. Uh, maybe finishes the year in Triple A. I mean, who knows? I could see a September call-up, although there probably is not going to be a need in Seattle. So, I think he's the like the sort of sort of safe pick. There are a couple of guys I'm keeping my eye on who could make the leap, but I, I do like the, the possibility of Nick Prado jumping from number five up to number one, just because I think he's got uh, the combination uh, of offensive abilities that are, are going to help him. Uh, he struck out too much in his first full year, but he's got a solid approach. I think he has the, the potential to get better there. And I think all the numbers, which were pretty good for a first full season, uh, are, are, are just going to improve. So he's he's the kind of one that I would uh, put my eye on to make a sort of a slightly larger jump up to that top spot.
1: Yeah, Jim, I, things- I
2: agree with that. I I was if you would come to me first, I was I would
0: have probably given the exact same answer there. Where I think you got to give Evan White the edge, but I do think Prado's got more power and he's no defensive slouch, so he could make it very very interesting next year.
1: Yeah, I, I do want to touch quickly on Brent Rooker, who um, is kind of a fascinating prospect, kind of broke out at Mississippi State his junior season, was the SEC Player of the Year. He's always had kind of a question about his defensive home. Maybe it's at first, maybe it's in the outfield. Where does he kind of fit in as far as uh, future projection? Because while the college numbers are very impressive, the teams seem a little skeptical that he's actually as good as those uh, guardy numbers suggest. Jim, what do you think
0: about Well, I think he's definitely a first baseman. Um, The Twins have other outfield prospects as well. Um, I just don't know if he's really quick. I mean, could he play the outfield? Yes, he could. but I think he'd be more of a below-average outfielder. So I think he's going to wind up at first, and that's going to be kind of their need, the way their their, their organization is kind of lined up right now. Anyway, but no, I mean, I I do think the bat is legit. I I think it's probably power over hit. Um, And I would – you know, I think he'd be in the discussion. I think Prado's got a better chance to hit for both power and average, and I think Evan White's got a better chance to hit for both power and average than, than Rooker does.
1: That makes sense to me. Uh, Jonathan, we are going to move to second base, where we have two prospects, one of which we've seen already in the big leagues, Luis Arias with the Padres, and Kessin Jura, who seems to be knocking on the door uh, with Milwaukee. So assuming those two guys graduate this year, we've got Nick Matrigal of the White Sox and Vidal Brujan, of the Rays right behind them. A very interesting contrast there. Bruhan, of course, uh, an, an international signee who's uh, a little bit younger than Madrigal. Madrigal, best player in college baseball last year before going in the first round to the White Sox. Who would you give the edge there? We have Madrigal ahead in the rankings right now, but who'd you like a year from
2: now? Boy, that is a tough I'm not 100% sure if of graduates this year, but we'll okay. see. Um, just, you know, you know, I, I, it depends on what happens at the big league level with Milwaukee, I guess. But let's—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll play along. Um, and I mean, I think McMadrigal's going to be really, really good. I think he will hit enough to look like he's ready to be in Chicago before the year's over. But I still think Bruhan is the is the is the guy to put a circle around, just because um, of both his. Re- Ridiculous bat the ball skills and the plus-plus speed. Um, and there's a little pop in there, too. I, you know, it's not he, – he's, he's got more power than magical. Uh, I mean, that's setting the bar low. But this is a guy who hits. He's got an unbelievable approach at the plate. He doesn't strike out. He stole 55 bases last year. Um, I, I'm very curious to see how quickly he can move. And this is a guy who kind of is really under the radar. Uh, as a prospect um, but had a huge 2018 playing uh, across two levels of a ball so um, you know he's a future leadoff type and uh, you know if i'm the raise you don't rush him necessarily if you want to keep him down in florida for a little bit that's fine but he's going to be in double a before you know it and then you know then who knows from there
1: yeah, your your point about Hira is is probably fair. He was only in Double A last year, and we did just learn that Mike Mustakas will be playing second base for the first time in his career, starting there for the Brewers, and they're certainly a team in contention. Uh, so it, it could just be Hira, uh, Jim. Do you have do you lean either either way, Madrigal or, or Bruhan?
0: You know, I, I I was I this is like not much dissent on the show today, but I, I agree <laughs> with Jonathan. Uh, yeah. you know, we've got Madrigal in the top one hundred. Brujan isn't, but, you know, probably will get added very soon next time we need to add a guy. But, you know, while, while Madrigal's got the amazing back-to-ball skills, you know, Brujan has, is very good hitter as well, and I think there's more pop and a little bit more speed. So I, I'm going to say Vidal Brujan builds on what he did last year when he, you know, he hit 320, had 41 extra base hits. He had, you know, 55 steals. And I'm going to say if, if Hira graduates, Vidal Brujan will be your number one second base prospect next year.
1: There you go. There you go. A lot, 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 lot of fans of Mr. Bruhan here on the Pipeline podcast. Let's uh, slide over to third base where uh, a fellow named Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I've heard a few things about, uh, currently occupies the top spot. I'm not sure there's anything left to be said about Vlad Jr. other than that he is hurt. And uh, we, we won't really have to worry about his service time uh, situation because it sounds like he won't be healthy uh, by the time. Uh, the Blue Jays are going to be ready to call him up. But Nick Senzel in the second spot, spot—he looks he's competing for an opening day roster spot as well in Cincinnati. Austin Riley, who got the AAA last year with the Braves. We could see him get some big league time this year, although he might be stuck behind Josh Donaldson. We talked about Cabrian Hayes uh, on a recent podcast and how much we like him. Behind him, Jonathan India with the Reds, Alec Bohm, Phillies, and then the two Nolans, Nolan Gorman and Nolan Jones, uh, younger guys there. Who do you guys uh, project to kind of jump into this top group once the, the Vlads and Senzels of the world uh kind of kind of move into the big league big league space. Uh, Jonathan, do you do you lean anyone here?
2: Wow, um yeah, I mean some of it's gonna depend on how much playing time, say, an Austin Riley gets. Mm-hmm. Um, if he plays enough where he graduates, then I think Cabrian Hayes will probably still qualify. Um now, what he, you know, what he's done in spring training, if he's doing that in AAA A and the options in the big leagues, Jung Ho Gong, for instance, Colin Moran, I mean, they have some options in the big leagues. But if, if those guys really aren't getting it done, then I could see Hayes, you know, coming up if he's lighting the world on fire. Although, you know, the the Pirates tend to be conservative about bringing their young guys up and making sure they get a certain amount of reps and at bats and, and things like that. So. Um, other than that, I probably would drop down to the first of those two, Nolan's and Nolan Gorman, uh, as the guy that I could see leapfrogging up to up to the top if he continues to do what he did during his pro debut.
0: And GF, I'm actually going to go all the way. Yeah. I was gonna say I'm going to go all the way down to number eight. I, I think my favorite among all those guys, although I, I really do like the Brian Hayes too, but I, I'm going to say Nolan Jones, and I, and I think he gets a little bit. I don't think he gets as much hype as, as he should. I and mean, we're talking about a guy last year who was 20 years old. He, he's ranked among the, the league leader in ops, and everyone you know, in his league the last two, three years. He had a 9-10 ops in, in high class A in the final month. He had 89 walks, 19 homers. He keeps getting better defensively. He hit 283. I, I think this guy's poised for a big year. And so I, I'll go out on a limb a little bit, and I will take the guy who's number eight on our third base list right now and have him leapfrog the three first-round picks from last year. And you can throw Jordan Groshens in there, who's another one who didn't even – third base is a deep position right now. But I'm going to say Nolan Jones. I think he's going to have the best year of all these guys in 2019 and move to the front of the line.
1: There is something about third baseman named Nolan. It appears to be a very lucrative uh, place to be right now. So – I believe in both Gorman and Jones, uh, just based on Nolan Arenado alone. But we'll see. We'll see. I think that's a fun discussion because they are – Jones a little bit ahead of him. I I imagine he'll be in AA next year while Gorman will – I guess he could be in AA too. Who knows with him. Uh, (laughs) Let's move to the shortstops where, of course, many of the best prospects in baseball sit. But uh, at the very top we have, of course, Fernando Tatis Jr., which we can expect to see a lot of in San Diego this season. Behind him we've got Royce Lewis. Uh, who's moving pretty fast in the twin system, Brendan Rogers, We can expect to see him in the big leagues this year. Beau Bichette may be on the line, and the, the super-duper star Wander Franco at number five. Carter Keboom, who hit two home runs off Justin Verlander in spring training last night. A lot of great options here, obviously hard to pick. But if if we are going to say who's going to be number one, it, is, is it kind of Royce Lewis's to lose, or could he somehow get all the way up to the big leagues? Jim, what do you think?
0: Well, I don't think he's going to get to the big leagues, and I love Royce Lewis as a prospect. And I think it's very possible Royce Lewis might be the number two prospect in baseball by the side this time next year. But I just think Wander Franco has so much momentum. And I'd like to officially make a motion. I've been trying to do this in inbox. <laughs> I've just calling him Vladimir Guerrero the third right now. Like uh, that's my official nickname for him. Yeah, he put up better numbers than Vlad did. As a 17-year-old in the Apple League, and it's very rare for a 17-year-old to go there. And I, I just think he's going to take the same uh, path as Vlad. And I think Franco is going to go out this year and annihilate the Midwest League and get promoted to High Class A. And I think there's, I think if I had to if I had to put money on one guy to be the number one prospect next year, I would say Wander Franco. And I, I think it could be Franco one and Royce Lewis too. Now, if, if you want to argue. You know, Lewis has more athletic and defensive value. Sure. You know, you could do that too. But I think that'll be a, a very interesting debate about those
2: guys. I will argue that, in fact. <laughs> let let the guy get the full season ball before anointing him anything, please. My goodness. I'm not, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame yet. Not putting him in the Hall of yeah, Fame. Yeah, just, so. just wait a year. Um, you've engraved the plaque with the one you have for Vlad Jr. already. Um yeah, I just you know it's so funny cuz we we've talked about Royce Lewis a lot. Obviously, he was the number 1 overall pick and like I don't know if ever there's been like an underappreciated number 1 overall pick who then went out, you know, in his first full year and played across two levels of A-ball and hit for power and stole bases and has gotten much better defensively um and finished really strong down the stretch, uh, you know, helped Fort Myers Win the win the championship by homering three times in the playoffs. I, you know, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, listen, what is he number? We have him number five overall, so I, we're not really underrating him. But I think it's a, a little underappreciated how ridiculously good he is. He doesn't turn twenty until June, and he's going to be in Double A. So, I, like, I think that um, he's going to hold on to the to the top of the shortstop list. Uh, crown so to speak at least for one more year now then maybe he ascends to the big leagues and by then maybe I'll be more comfortable with uh with going along with with Jim's uh, anointing of Wander Franco as the as the next it prospect in baseball
1: yeah it's 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 time I mean this is, there's no wrong answers here um you mentioned no, how is. young Royce Lewis is uh but Jonathan was wrong. oh Jonathan was wrong? okay. Uh, that's actually uh, sorry, I, I didn't I didn't catch that the first time. Uh but, <laughs> but Wander Franco who uh, who turned eighteen uh just a couple weeks ago, um he could be uh, who knows maybe he'll be in double A this year. Who knows? I I, I but, but but you're right, Jonathan. We should we should probably slow down uh with with the Franco heads. Yeah, I, I
0: want to call him Vladimir Guerrero the third and I even I even grant him whatever license this a uh, barbecue to, uh, you guys can call him Vladimir Guerrero III. Uh, we need to popularize that. Come on, that's well, too cool I'm, not to call him
1: that. I'm also in support of it because, of course, we already have more Wander Francos to distinguish in between. So if there's any that's way true. to kind of get yeah. away from that confusion, then I, I do support that in, in some senses. But, but we'll see. You know what's
0: great about, I was going to say, Jordan, what's great about the Wander, other Wander Francos, is the Giants have cornered the market on them. And to sign them both after signing neither of them originally, they now have both Wander Francos. It's kind of like the White Sox signing John Jay and Yonder Alonso in an attempt to get Manny Machado. I I think the Giants are laying groundwork. Uh, Let's see. I guess Wander Franco will probably be a free agent, what, nine years from now? Like in 2028, they'll continue to employ his brothers in hopes of luring him to San Francisco.
1: Yeah, and clearly it worked out very well for the White Sox. So I look forward to seeing uh, how that how that works for the Giants. But I think it's a good strategy. We'll we'll work on we'll work on the nicknames. Uh, let's move to the outfield, where uh, the top is is certainly certainly uh, full of some some superstars in waiting. Eloy Jimenez, we can expect him to see him with the White Sox and John Jay and Yonder Alonso at some point this season. Uh, Victor Robles with the Nats, he should be getting a lot of playing time, uh, especially now knowing that Bryce Harper will not be. Returning to D.C., Kyle Tucker with the Astros. He got all the way up to the big leagues last year, so I think this discussion kind of comes down to Alex Kiriloff with the Twins versus Joe Adele of the Angels. Both of these guys uh, who really had huge seasons in twenty eighteen statistically, but very different types of players. Uh, so I know, I know. We think we talked about Adele a little bit last week, um, but Jonathan, who who do you give the
2: edge to here if we're projecting a year from now? Well, it's. It's definitely, you know, Adele is the higher ceiling. I guess we have to wait and see um, how he comes back from from injury. Uh, I mean, you know, a hamstring and an ankle, I and mean, he's expected to make a full recovery. But anytime you have you know multiple serious injuries, and speed is such a part of of his game, you need to sort of see how he comes back. Make sure that uh, you know the Angels take their time, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't rush back and and re-aggravate uh, those. And those are the kinds of injuries that are easy to re-aggravate. Um, so based on ceiling, you know, I would go Adele. I, I just I'm convinced that Karlof is going to hit. Um, so I think maybe if only because of the injury, I'll say that Karlof is in the is in the number one outfielder spot at this time of year from now
0: and I'll second that for those reasons and I'll also just throw in if he continues to progress like he has the last couple of years and he's going to be 20 this year he's still very young is don't sleep on Christian Pache that mm-hmm. uh, he's capable of going out and uh, you know like I said I mean they, the the Braves have been very aggressive with him he, he spent the last month of last season in double A as a 19 year old and I do think he's going to have a breakout year at one of these points. So, but I, but I agree with John. But I would give Carol off the edge over Adele because you don't know how Adele is necessarily going to be affected by the injury this season. I think he'll be fine long-term. But but definitely don't sleep on Christian Pache.
1: And don't sleep on friend of the podcast, Taylor Trammell. I mean, come on. He's right there in the number six spot Trevor right now. Trevor Tremaine. He's not uh, Tremaine. I know he's not the uh, – the maybe not as, as – as Explosive or high ceiling as some of these other guys, but I think Tremel Tremel's right there. He he hasn't put up the the gaudy numbers that these other guys have, so I definitely hear that. All right, let's move. To, let's get these let's get these pitchers done here. Now this is a little bit more complicated because we've got you know when you're talking about pitchers, you have guys like Michael Kopech, number three on the list, who's going to be out all of this season recovering from Tommy John. You've got Brent Honeywell, who's going to be coming back from Tommy John, but who knows if he's going to graduate. And then at the top, guys like Casey Mize, who might be ready, but no reason to have him in the big leagues with the Tigers yet. Forrest Woodley at the number one spot, maybe more likely that he graduates, but he's also kind of a question. So it's kind of hard to gauge here. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of leave it totally open and, and, and let you guys figure this mess out. And, and Jim, who, who do you think will be in the number one spot?
0: this time next season. Well, you know, and as we've talked about for shortly before, too, I mean, the Astros have a lot of pitchers. He hasn't. He didn't pitch a lot of innings last year because of suspension, a couple minor injuries. It's not out of the realm of possibility that, that he gets called up late or doesn't pitch a lot. But if we assume he graduates, I think it's, gonna, it's Casey Mize pretty easily. Um, you know, everybody else on, on this list, you know, looking at it in the top six, is probably either going to graduate to the big leagues and or has an injury question surrounding them. So I, I think it's Casey Mize pretty easily. Although, and he's healthy, you know, Sixto Sanchez is pretty spectacular stuff too. Sixto Sanchez might wind up being number two on the list. But I just think Mize, between the stuff, the pitchability, um, I think he may be a fairly easy choice for this a year from now.
1: Yeah, and I, I should also clarify we're at least for now just talking about right-handed pitchers. Uh, but Jonathan, do you disagree with that, or do you think it's kind of Mises to
2: lose? No, I think I think it's Mises to lose. You know, and every sign points to he's going to come out and you know pitches away quickly to be knocking on the door. But I don't I don't see any situation where he ends up you know pitching enough in the big leagues where he's off of this list. So I, I just uh, uh, I, I can't imagine that uh, he doesn't fit in at number 1. I I mean I guess there's the outside possibility of let's say Dylan Cease is somehow better than he was last year <laughs> and just from that pure upside, you know, then maybe, but even then that's a that's a stretch just to throw another name out there for next year.
1: Yep,
0: I wonder that, if that, Luis
2: Tacnia could make the jump.
1: Ooh
2: um, that's a good
0: one. his stuff's pretty spectacular. Wow. Um, I mean again, off I, the board I do think it's number K- 1. Casey Mize. Yeah, but it's I mean, well, I mean, he's off the board because there's a million right-handed pitchers on the list. Right. A lot of them are going to graduate, but he's his stuff's pretty crazy. Um, I'll be curious to see how he does this year. He, he'd yeah. be
1: the the good long shot bet in Vegas. Maybe <laughs> you could go better. He's so, your he's your uh, seventy-five to one. Your yes. that's that, I like that. And and I I will say I think six 0 is another way. Healthy six 0 is is pretty special, but it's it's a pretty high bar with this group, um, so it's hard to really project too much. Uh, let's let's head to the south pause. And uh, our, our last our last position group here uh, on this week's podcast. Now, Jim, I am pretty sure I know who you're going to say because he's your favorite pitcher of all time, and I know you believe he should also be already in the Hall of Fame alongside Wander Franco. That's Mackenzie Gore with the Padres. Uh, but if we assume Jesus Lizardo is going to to have significant time in the big leagues with the A's this year, he's already, still fighting, I believe, to make the the opening day uh, the roster. Uh, we'll see if that happens for him, but. Jonathan, is is it, I'll leave you, someone a little less biased towards Mackenzie Gore. Do you think it's Mackenzie Gore's to lose, or is there someone else you're eyeing? Uh,
2: it's his to lose, but he does need to go out and pitch. Um, and it's not like it's been so long, right? I mean, you know, he's only been through his first full season. He's only 20 years old. Um, so I don't mean to be like, oh, my God, he's really stalled. Mm-hmm. But... For him to hold on to a top spot on a pitching list, and granted the lefty list is not quite as as robust as the the right-handers in terms of elite level, I think he's got to go out. He's got to have a full, healthy season, uh, and he's got to produce to a certain extent. Um, Not that he didn't last year, but it was only 60 innings. It you know was up and down. He had some uh, issues with uh, with a blister thing that put him on the DL twice. So. It's it's not. I don't have any long-term concerns, but I'd like to see him go out and do it. So if I if I were going to pick a guy, uh, a little bit lower down, like as a well, maybe we could see it is is uh, Matt Liberatore, uh, who fell in the Rays' lap um, in the middle of the first round when we all thought he was going to go in the you know sort of top ten. And uh, I think his combination of of stuff and feel for pitching for his age is is extraordinary. And I think he'll go to full season ball. Had a really solid pro debut last summer so it's not that he's got like this electric it's not like a Luis patino kind of thing where the stuff is so unbelievable but it's the combination of four pitches and above average control that could vault him up ahead of gore only if there are issues with gore being able to go out every fifth day
1: uh jim would you like to defend your uh your your beloved mackenzie gore
0: yeah, I mean, I think he'd be the obvious choice. Um, like John had said, I mean, if he had blister problems again, I mean, not that I think we'd worry about him long term, but if he had another season where he only pitched 60 or 70 innings, we would probably hold that against him. I, I do like Libertor as probably being the top challenger. And, you know, the, the guy who I'm kind of on the fence about as to whether he'd qualify or not is Brendan McKay. Because I, I do think Brendan McKay, um, you know, was it's weird. You know, he had a great year as a pitcher, and it, it didn't seem like he got a lot of recognition for a guy who got drafted fourth overall and obviously a two-way player and all that, and he didn't hit as well. But you know, I, part of me, I, I guess if I had to just you know, make a declaration, I, I think Brendan McKay probably pitches his way into Tampa Bay's rotation at some point this year. So, yeah, I, I do think the other Ray, Matthew Libertor, will, will be Mackenzie Gore's greatest
1: challenger. That's a that's a pretty bold statement. That's that's a more bold statement than uh, than the Wander Franco one that that you think McKay is going to be in in the big leagues at some point this year with the Rays. I mean, that's and and the thing about him is very very advanced, uh, very you know pitchability lefty. But you know the Rays with their opener strategy, there are always rotation spots open. They're they're really only using three starters. So if McKay can prove that he can be a reliable option for. You know, five six innings, then then maybe maybe he is their best option there. But that would be that would be pretty bold. Is there anyone maybe off the list farther down? DL Hall, uh, kind of getting some hype with the Orioles this year. Ryan Weathers, another Padres guy. Uh, any anyone farther down that you think could could make this jump, Jonathan?
2: Hmm. I mean, I, I like both of those guys. Um, I've, you know, Hall. Um, had like a sneaky good year last year. Um, very quietly. Um. You know, in his first full season, I think the gloves come off a little bit. Uh, it would be interesting to see how aggressively the Orioles try to, to push him, uh, given that they don't have a ton of talent in their system, but they've also had kind of a bad track record um, with uh, with doing that. So I I could see him making a, a nice jump up, uh, you know, to the top half. Um, of this list, but I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think I'd be ready to, you know, sort of say that he's a guy we need to look that could make that sort of huge leap all the way up to the to the number one spot.
1: Yep, that seems that seems fair, Jim. you want to shout anyone else out in these young lefties?
0: No, I mean I like you know I I just think it's going to come down to Gore or Libertor. I think that it's going to be pretty much those two. You know, DL Hall maybe an outside chance, but. Uh, I, I, I'm comfortable with, with those two guys if, if Bernie McKay's graduated.
1: Yep, I think I think that is fair. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. This was a lot of fun, as always. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I am Jordan Schusterman. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you very soon. Sweet. All right, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. This was fun. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank it you. We time. came together nicely. Uh,
1: yeah, and uh, Wander Franco, uh, I think 2026, honestly, I think he'll probably be a free agent. So we can uh, look forward to that.
0: Well, they're going to delay his service time. So, like, he, No, I mean, you know they will. So he'd have to be in the big leagues next year to be a free agent in 2026.
1: Uh, so. Yeah, well, he's ready. Sorry, Jonathan, he's ready. Vladimir Guerrero III. <laughs> <come on. laughs> Disrespectful to the Wander Franco clan, but I like it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, I will uh, I will talk to you gentlemen soon.
2: Okay, see you guys. Bye.
3: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best